0: Y'all may not know, you may know that um, in another life that I have, I'm a medieval historian of sorts. Uh, for the past 20 years, I've, I've taught and studied and written on the history of Christianity in the Middle Ages. And while that might bore some of you, it may want to make some of you leave right now and maybe may screaming, um, I think we can learn a lot uh, about how we approach the future by how we've lived in the past. I know that that helps me when I teach uh, future pastors at Asbury Seminary. We can learn wise lessons from those who have gone before us. Now, I'm not saying that we should live in the past. No, not at all. And we shouldn't even walk backwards backwards into the future, staring at the past. You know how some people do that? They walk into the future like this. Oh, yeah, look at that. Look at that. Not paying attention to what, well, the piano behind them. We need to walk into the future straight ahead, facing the future, but not forgetting the past. Our scripture passage today is about Israel's past. It's about how God has taken care of his people. If you have your Bibles handy, um, I want us to go through uh, these verses and take a look and see what's going on here. Verses 16 and 17 recount the historic exodus from Egypt. You may remember God's people were slaves in Egypt and God rescued them, And he really rescued them, not just to free them from being slaves, but he rescued them so that they could have a relationship with him. So through Isaiah, God says, I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. That's when they crossed the Red Sea. And I called forth the mighty army of Egypt. With all of its chariots and horses, I drew them beneath the waves, and they drowned. See, this event... The exodus from Egypt was the greatest moment in Israel's history. The people had taught their children about this for generations, telling the story so they wouldn't forget. I mean, this event, this exodus, is is told in several psalms and even in the prophets, this exodus from Egypt was the single most important historical event in the history of God's people up to this point. Because even though God gave them the law, the Ten Commandments, they wouldn't have had that if they were still back in Egypt. So it was the drive out of Egypt that, that, and how God rescued them that the people remembered. And, a, and after God reminds them of this event, this is kind of interesting in our text here, I mean, this is the event of all events. Look at verse 18. God says, eh, forget about all that. Or if you're from up north, forget about it. Forget about that stuff. He says, it's nothing compared to what I'm about to do. Now, God isn't telling the people to completely forget what he's done in the past. I mean, you can look up Isaiah 46, verse 9, and and see that. But God wants his people to know that just because God did something in the past doesn't mean that's all he's going to do. He's still working. Churches can feel that way. They think about all that God has done in the past, And then they look around at their present situation and say, well, where's God? Sometimes we wonder if Christianity's best days are behind us. Oh, remember when Billy Graham preached to millions of people and they put it on TV. Remember when the sanctuary was so full that we had to bring chairs in. Remember when sports teams didn't schedule games on Sunday mornings? Remember when Christians were respected, churches were respected in society, not made fun of? We think of the past. Why can't we go back to times like that? See, it's one thing to celebrate what God's done in the past, but it's another thing, and we shouldn't dwell on the past. See, while focusing on what what God used to do and only focusing on what God has done, we're missing what God is doing right now. And what God is doing right now may look different from what God did in the past. And that's okay. Let's get back to Isaiah. Look at verse 19. God says, I'm about to do a new thing. He says, look, I've already begun. Can't you see it? What God is saying here is that he's about to deliver his people again, but it's going to be in ways that they never imagined. He's going to rescue his people in ways that the world has never seen before. But what God says is, he says he's already begun to do that new thing. His people were so longing for the past that they couldn't even see what God was doing right in their midst. This morning in in both worship services, we have a total of about 20 people who are joining the church. That's a lot of folks. They have decided that they want to become members of Centenary. They want to make this officially their church home. See, that's a new thing from God because their involvement in our ministries, their leadership is going to keep us new and fresh. God certainly is doing a new thing here at Centenary. I mean, for as rich of a history that we have, God is doing something that we've never seen in our 228-year history. See, what God is doing right here, he's doing it through what we're calling intentional discipleship. See, we do a lot of great things here at Centenary. I mean, we do some amazing things. But how do these ministries work together to make disciples well the church council is working on that right now so pray for them please see in this scripture passage God tells us why he wants to do a new thing in the lives of his people and that answer of why is in verse 21 he says I've made Israel for myself And they will someday honor me before the whole world. See, when God does something new in our midst, and when we're faithful to God in that new thing, the world gets to see who God really is through us. See, a lot of times we don't do a very good job at revealing who God truly is to people outside the church, do we? We discredit God's name by how we act, the things we say, all kinds of things. But when we are God's faithful people, we reveal to the world who God really is. And when people see who God really is, they're more likely to come into a relationship with God. You see, that alone is the purpose of the church. Why do we exist it's to make disciples. And all the other things that we do nothing comes close to that mandate from God. That is how we honor God before the whole world. It's to make disciples. Y'all have read your bibles, I assume Matthew 28. We know Jesus final words to us is the great commission. He's with his disciples. He's come back from the dead. He's about to ascend into heaven. He gives them one last instruction. And he doesn't say this. He doesn't say, go therefore and have Wednesday night suppers. Go therefore and have Bible studies. Feed the poor. Have Sunday morning worship services in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He doesn't say that. Now those are honorable things that we should probably do. It's a good thing, I think, for us to have Wednesday night suppers because the food's good. It's a good thing for us to study God's word because it keeps us close to God. It's a good thing for us to take care of the poor because no one else will. And it's a good thing that we gather, whether Sunday morning or any other time, and worship God together. But Jesus gives us a specific commandment for what we are supposed to make a priority. He said, Go into the world and make disciples. That's what we're supposed to do. Centenary in all churches around the world are called to make disciples. Maybe, maybe this new thing that. God is talking about that the world had never before seen that was about to happen. Maybe that's a prophecy about Jesus. See, the world had never seen Jesus before. When he came, he was God and he was human. The Son of God, dying as the ultimate sacrifice for the sins of the world, The only way to God the Father, the only way to be saved from sin and death is Jesus. The world had never seen that before. When you think about all that Jesus did, it makes that Exodus event look pretty puny, doesn't it? It was a new thing. But maybe, maybe you're sitting here this morning And you're thinking, well, God's not doing anything new in my life. It's easy to talk about. Where's God when I need him? Maybe that's running through your mind today. Maybe your faith in God is focused on a faith maybe you had when you were much younger. And you think, oh, I've made too many mistakes. I can't go back now. Maybe like the people of Israel, you're focusing on what God has done in the past in your life. Maybe you're wondering where God is right now because you can't feel him. You can't sense him. You feel alone. Listen, if that describes you, I want you to do right now what my mom still tells me to do. I want you to give me eye contact is I've got a word from the Lord for you. God can do a new thing in your life. Not tomorrow, but today. Right now. In fact, God is already doing a new thing in your life. And do you want proof? You're here today. God is doing something in your life because you came here today. See, God is always working in our lives. But so much of the time we're focused on how much we need God that we can't actually see him working. See, God not only wants to do something new in your life today, Hear me again. He's already doing something new in your life. God is always here. Think about that. We never have to pray for God to be with us. Why do we do that? Have you ever wondered? You gather with somebody, you say a prayer, Lord, just be with them. He is. The difference is our awareness of God. Listen, y'all, I have gone through situations in my life when I was much younger that are too awful for me to ever share publicly. And when I went through those things, I couldn't see God. I wondered what was going on. But in the midst of that, I always knew, I never doubted that God was with me. See, we can't see the air. Can y'all see the air? I can't see the air. But I know it's there. And without the air, we couldn't survive. See, God is always with us. He's sustaining us with the breath of His Holy Spirit, even when we can't see Him. Even when we can't sense him working in our lives, he's there. In verse 20 of our scripture passage, God says that he will make springs in the desert so that his people can be refreshed. Listen, your relationship with Christ might feel like a desert today. But God always provides the refreshing nourishment of his spirit to sustain us because he's faithful and because he loves us. See, God wants to do a new thing in our lives. He wants to do a new thing in this church. But here's the hard part. We have to allow him to do it. And I'm preaching to myself now. We have to give up control. I think I heard an amen from all the church staff. (laughs) We have to give up control. And that's hard for me. And whether it's giving up control of our lives or giving up control of the ministries in this amazing church, Let's not be stuck on the old ways when God has something so much more exciting that's waiting for us. Let's allow God to do a new thing in our lives and to do a new thing, not just in this church, but through this church. Let's pray.